everyone. This is That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. She's fast asleep. <laughs> Paula Finley is, is tempting Lindsay Corbin. <laughs> and I am Nick Goldston. Uh, on this podcast, we primarily take questions from you, our amazing listener audience people, and try to answer them as best as we can. We're not experts, but we do our best. Paul and I are both professional triathletes. Nick is a professional musician, amateur <laughs> triathlete, and our best friend. What is so freaking funny? I was just texting Lindsay really quick because we just went out for dinner with our friend Danny, and literally every restaurant, every food cart and band is closed. And it was like... What is happening? Like it's a Tuesday night. I don't even know what day it is, but it's it's not a weird night. But I think it's because like the post Labor Day thing. Yeah. It's like kids are back in school. Everyone's back in work. It's off season. Like leave us alone. We're shutting down. Two weeks off. Everyone just go take a holiday. So we're like walking around dead zone in Bend, which was just super weird. So we're just laughing about that. Eric taught me the term shoulder season. Which and when he said that, I was like, "Oh, is it like the season that you wear a tank top so you show your shoulders? Like, is that what it is?" <laughs> no, no, it is definitely the the time between peak season and mountain towns, where the yes. summer is hot because of mountain biking and just rivers and stuff, and then the winter is hot because of skiing. And in between those two seasons, dead. Speaking of hot, it is an absolutely insane heat wave right now in LA. And I did, I had to do, I had to swim in the pool today and the main fitness pool was full. So I had to swim in the shallow pool. It still had like lane lines. Um, but I, the, the water was so warm that I, like, I, it wasn't cooling me off. And I would stop between my intervals and get out of the water and still feel too hot. It was yeah, such an yeah. uncomfortable feeling. Well, that's a great lead-in to the Paula's Big Race that's coming up in Dallas, where it is going to be a similar water temperature. It's a yeah, sauna. I, th- I think it's maybe even in Kona, too. I've never raced Kona, obviously. But I think there's... People don't realize that the heat in the water can actually have a really big impact on the rest of your race. Because during oh, that wow. time, you're yeah. really not you're not taking any fuel in. You're going hard because it's the start of the race, and you can come out of the water actually quite depleted before like this bike and run even start. So yeah. it's something to consider, and it's you know you can be super dehydrated, especially at the end of an Ironman swim. Yeah. Like you were just talking about Nick for Wisconsin. If you come out and it's like been a hot swim, yeah. it can be super detrimental. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to it later. But our, our coach was here with us, and one thing that he said was super interesting as they were testing Olympic athletes leading into the Tokyo Olympics, where the water was going to be super hot. They measured their like their their core temperature through the course of like an a triathlon simulation through the through the test event, and their core temperature was the hottest when they got out of the water as they were finishing the swim and as they were finishing the run. Like that's when you're. That's unbelievable. I would have yeah. never guessed that. Just be, because in the water, like your sweat doesn't do anything. There's no way for you to shed heat. Well, I feel like the water is what's pulling away heat from you so quickly, usually. But I guess if the yeah. if, opposite is it, effect, if wow. it's hotter than your body temperature, yeah, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, so be careful with that in hot wow. swims. Interesting. Well, so you're both of the boys are racing this weekend. Eric, you're racing in Santa Cruz. And yep. th- there's going to be no concern about the water being too hot there. Although no. the water here in LA is very pleasant. Like you could definitely do a non-wetsuit open water swim right now. I don't know mm. how much colder it is in Santa Cruz. Cause for everyone who doesn't know, Santa Cruz is about a five hour drive North of LA and on the West coast of the United States, the water comes, the, the, the current comes from the North. So the further you go South, the warmer it is, but yeah, it'll, it'll be quite warm, quite cooler in Santa Cruz. 
but it's definitely going to be a wetsuit swim and you swim around the pier. You've done the race before, right, Eric? Yeah, it's actually the last triathlon, the last 70.3 that I won. And it'll be the next 70.3 that you win, which is yep. a nice coincidence. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've talked about it before, like favorite race courses on the podcast before. And Santa Cruz is very high up there for the swim, the bike, and the run. I think it's all pretty enjoyable and dynamic. And, and I feel like it's a, a good fit for you. It's this open water swim with waves, probably, which is good yeah. for you. And then the bike course is this kind of rolling course that you can, yeah. I feel like is also good for you. It's not, I guess it's not technical, but what 70.3 course is really technical in the United States. Nice. Yeah, exactly. The end. Um, and then the run is really great for you. It's very similar to the kind of running that you do. There's like a big portion that's on a dirt path along the cliffs. Yeah. And that's a lot of the running you do here is on or in Oregon is on dirt. So yeah. it seems like it would be fun. It's the perfect event for a low attention span person. <laughs> like yourself and yeah. myself. I need constant entertainment. Uh, the, the primary competitors that I am aware of are Tim O'Donnell and Matt Sharp. Yeah. Um, Tim, Tim O'Donnell obviously doesn't need really any introduction, but Matt Sharp has won a couple races this year and is, is doing really well at 70.3. The amount of people who have asked me if I am doing it as well with you is unbelievable. I know. It's just like, oh, you're doing a race? Nick will be there. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> totally. the expectation now. The important yeah. question, is Nick coming? <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. It's so crazy. I but wish no, I could. Nick, Nick is doing Ironman Wisconsin this weekend. Which yes. we have been hyping for six right. months. Right. It's true. So Focus it's finally everybody. happening, people. <laughs> How do you not get this? No, we're kidding. I'm so excited, Nick. I can't wait to watch that tracker all day. My only regret is that I can't. I won't be able to see Eric. My parents are going to be there, and I want them to tell me. You know, as Eric is finishing his race, and I'm one lap into the swim, barely surviving. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear how you know how Eric's doing. Yeah, well, that's an extra layer of motivation for me to have a good race. Yeah, because it'll motivate me. If they say Eric won, I'll I'll cry, cry real, real tears, yeah. uh, and then it'll somehow fuel my bike or run or whoever I am at that point. Yeah. Nick, I think you might be partway through the bike by that point because the, of the time zone difference. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm and I'm not. Uh, my goal here is to have a really good time, and I definitely don't want to just take it easy the whole time. But I definitely don't want to risk not finishing because I pushed too hard. And and just so I partially for me, but I assume for everybody else to clarify when you say have a really good time, you mean an enjoyable time, not a a really good speed. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Right. No, not a good finishing time, a good emotional time, which is uh, having fun is what I mean by it. Yeah. Which is kind of like a funny event to choose for the purposes of having a good time. Well, here's where I disagree with that. Because when you're doing a sprint, you can just go all out the whole time. And what's there's nothing bad that can really happen. Like you're just going to slow down, but you're not going to not finish if you're trained up for it. Right. Whereas it's conceivable that you could, that could happen with an Ironman. Right. I mean, it's very conceivable. It happens to professionals all the time. So I, my goal is to, have a fun time in the sense that I don't have to push and be on that like mental limit for, you know, 12 hours or however long it's going to take me. Totally. Yeah. I agree with that. And I, and I'm excited. I mean, I, both Heather and Lindsay were the people who told me to do uh, Ironman Wisconsin. I also have a few friends who told me it would be a fun course and there's a lot of spectators out there. And I, I really hope I get to see a lot of TTL people out there, just you podcast will. listeners. And yeah, Nick, you will. Also, I think you're ready for it. Like you've been training hard and long and yeah. there's like, 
I mean, there is definitely probably a learning curve to Ironman with nutrition and all this stuff. Like it is a new thing for you, but in terms of like hours you've dedicated to training and stuff, it's, it's yeah. pretty impressive. So. A lot of people less prepared than you I agree. finished Ironman. Yes, I agree. that's yeah. right. That's true. I, I definitely feel like the things that were within my control, I did at the best of my capacity. Yeah. I did all the workouts. I overdid a lot of the workouts and, uh, and I think intelligently so. Mm-hmm. I even had uh, a coach from the podcast, uh, a, a podcast listener who like I led into my Training Peaks account and kind of tweaked some stuff to help me and like added a few hours to a few bike rides. I feel like I'm as ready as I could be, but yeah, I've never done it, so I don't know. Dude, yeah. I, I feel like the only place, the only way that you could go wrong is like that conversation we had about like Malcolm Gladwell and pacing and everything. And as if there's a point in the race where you're like thinking that you should have been faster than you were or whatever versus just enjoying the moment that that could like potentially make it not fun. But yeah. other than, if you just, if you don't like get wrapped up in that and just take it for what it is. That's what I'm going to be trying to do is not get wrapped up in that and just yeah. look around and realize that as hard as it is in the hardest moments, there's going to be a moment in my life, 30, 40, 50 years from, from that day that I would give anything to be back in the middle of that race, suffering and being young and fit and, yeah. you know, being in that exciting moment. Yeah, that's true. Well, if there's anyone from Iron Man listening, that one is on the house. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can take that little sound bite. Because that is, that is, that is gold. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm hoping... Unlike when I race 70.3s, where I feel like I'm just so nervous about getting every ounce of performance out, I I'm, I don't feel like I have that same nervousness. I'm more just excited to do this thing that started like five years ago when my dad and I were watching the Kona broadcast uh, in a hotel room, and we were just like, whoa, this is so crazy. I want to do this. Yeah. So, Rad. That's, that's the journey. So hopefully it'll go well, and then Eric... Hopefully your race goes well and we can have a big celebration all together. Yeah. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> Maybe we'll have the big celebration in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Sounds like a fun place. <laughs> oh, oh, and I just want, I need to make it official. If, uh, if I do finish the, uh, the Ironman, I'm going to uh, buy myself an FPV drone that I have been thinking about for years. Oh, you uh, mean the same one that Eric just bought? I don't even know what you're talking about, Paula. Eric who? False. Okay, let's move on. Allegedly. Let's move on. Yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about was that your coach was in town, and you guys actually got to hang out with him, and Paul, you did some like bike skill stuff with him. That's super rare for you guys, right? Um, yeah, we don't see our coach that often in person because he's usually based with our the triathlon squad, like the people he coaches in Europe, um, primarily an ITU squad. So they kind of travel as a group and set up training camps around the world, which we don't do anymore because we're kind of more long course based and have a permanent base in Bend. So with this little gap of time that he had where he wasn't traveling to a squad camp, he flew up to Bend and spent a week with us. And it was super, super beneficial. Like it was really nice to have him just like watching us, riding his bike beside while we ran, working on some bike skills for me with my TT bike. Cause that's kind of a weakness that I have. And a limiter is my like fear and the bars going really fast and cornering. So it was, I think very, very fun. And like my biggest takeaway from it was a lot of the time he was trying to like hold me back, like on the run, on the bike, he's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. We're just getting time in the zone. It's not like every session is a do all you can and like finish with your emptying the tank. Um, 
so yeah, more than anything, it was just like, okay, it was, it's no session is that important that you have to get anxious about it and take the gas off a little bit and you'll be better for it tomorrow. So that it's not like he was here, like, and everything ramped up to a hundred percent, like a training camp. It was more, um, just eyes on and yeah, I thought it was very cool. That's interesting though. Like so much of it, especially for you guys, you have so, so much volume compared to most age groupers. Like it would be a huge mistake to be at 100% every session and yeah, having the coaster yeah. to be like, how far below 100% are you supposed to be in certain sessions? That's yeah. kind of a cool re- refresher. Yeah. Like he was riding beside me and didn't even have like a pace thing. He kept asking me like, what is my pace was, but he was just listening to my breathing. And if it got a little out of control, it was like raining back a bit. So yeah, I, I don't think he's got ever had a problem with an athlete who didn't work hard enough. Like he's got a lot of problems with athletes through the years. I've been coached by him for 10 years now. And the biggest issue with like high performance athletes is that we go too hard too often and get injured and get overtrained and everything. So yeah, exactly what Paula said. And like the biggest takeaway or like a, a big thing that was, you know, impactful and helpful for me is just like the amount of time that we got to talk to him and, and be around him. And now it's like way, I'm way less hesitant to text him if I feel like, totally. oh, this workout's too hard that's coming up or I'm tired or I feel sick or instead of just like, I'm just going to, I don't want to bother him. I'm just going to suck it up. Yeah. Right. It was nice so. to have the personal uh, connection. Con- connection with him now because he's, he is a human. He's not just a person that we're like WhatsApping every day, yeah, you know? Right, so right. having that kind of like refresher of him as a person was really nice. And I think now, like Eric said, I'll be less hesitant to text him about things like, oh, my frame is cracked. And I don't know, things that I would normally kind of pretend to have under control, like kind of use him as a sounding board for things that go wrong or whatever it is like a real like like a coach should be there for you yeah yeah and he always would be but it was just I was almost like scared of yeah things a little bit so anyway but it was good and we have a, a vlog coming out tomorrow which will be tomorrow one day before the one day before this pod comes out with a video recap of like all the bike skills that we did and it was I think the video is so cool. It's it's, it's very different. He, basically, he would drive me to the top of Skyliner, and then I'd have to ride arrow down it, going really fast. Like I'm scared of going fast in my arrow bars, but he'd be behind me in the car, and I had a radio in my ear, so he'd be like, "Stay Whoa, on the watts, stay on the watts." <laughs> yeah, and I'd have to be like pushing watts downhill, which is like my Scary. biggest weakness. And yeah. now riding today, I like rode every recovery interval and arrow down that road and it was fine. So I, so it worked. I noticeably made these huge gains of comfort on my TT bike only in one week. It was, it's totally crazy. Yeah. Which is so relevant to your, to, well, I don't know if Dallas, I don't know if that course I'm imagining it's mostly flat. flat. It does have a lot of turns. Well, yeah, I saw seven loops, I think. Definitely St. George. I also wanted to say that a few podcasts ago, we talked about trying to set up some kind of recycling thing for the swim caps, and we didn't really get anywhere with it. But Dennis from Form Goggles listens to the podcast, and he said... Uh, and we're we're on board with this. I'd love it if you could let your listeners know for those racing PTO US Open in Dallas, bring your old swim caps to the form tent in the expo. We've partnered with TerraCycle, who will recycle the silicone and latex swim caps. After listening to that to that pod, I thought, well, we at Form have the power to do something about it. So they looked into it, and this is a solution. Um, so yeah, love check it. it out. Check it Absolutely out, folks. Bring, bring your yeah. bring your stuff to the form tent, especially if you don't know what the heck to do with those old swim caps, and they get yeah. gross pretty fast. Yeah, totally. 
Okay, well, here's we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while, but it's one of the OG little games that we did on the podcast, and it's uh, Paula's going to do some rapid fire. <laughs> rapid fire is for Nick and Eric, and yes. rapid fire is mean, means like one or two word answers, right? Okay, she's saying that because we are historically less than good at keeping it short. Keeping it, con- keeping it contained. Okay, number one, what is your go-to lazy dinner? Paula cooks the pasta dish. I was going to say pasta as well. Okay. It's because I'm Italian. Yeah, pasta's easy. We do it a lot. I'm about to do it tonight after this podcast, actually. Do it, dude. Do yeah. it. You haven't had dinner yet? Nick, what did we talk <laughs> about yesterday? I'm sorry. God, oh the judgment. Nick's racing an Ironman in a week, and he's not taking care of his I dueling. did a bike workout, and then I had to wash my bike, and then I had no time. Okay. Wash your bike is like so far below fueling immediately after the session. <laughs> that, look who's talking. I, I, yeah, you know what? That's Eric what, replaces that's how his it chain is. halfway through his intervals because it needs a new chain every day. Yeah, well, I replace it right after I have a cliff bar. <laughs> okay, next, next. What is the best non-curse word, one word insult? Oh my God. I can't rapid fire that. Uh, Fred. Uh, what's it? Uh <laughs> A, a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Wait, that's not one word. That's okay. uh, you can put some hyphens in there. Yeah, cotton-headed ninny muggins is, but... from Elf. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Karen. Karen. <laughs> this one's appropriate because Nick said he hasn't even had dinner yet, and it's eight thirty p.m. What time do you normally go to bed? Uh, eleven. Eleven thirty. Okay. Like in bed, like nine fifteen. Yeah, we're like a nine. Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was stupidly out on my motorcycle in the dark. I was thinking like, oh yeah, they go to sleep at like child hours yeah dude i mean if you have a problem after dark on your motorcycle we're not yeah to people to, to call <laughs> next what were you scared of as a kid mm. high school uh i was pretty scared of the dark as a kid which is funny because now i feel like i'm in like the one percent of like absolutely not scared of the dark at all anymore yeah yeah funny i was scared of fire like candles fire everything. super scared of fire really yeah. Still am, really. I wasn't a very scared kid. Yeah. Eric, were you? You don't seem like it either. No, no, I was literally just scared of like getting older in the future, you know, like Peter Pan vibes. Oh, yeah. I've been accused of having Peter Pan syndrome in that same way. <laughs> That's Yikes. a syndrome? Well, I'd say it's a colloquialism, but yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Um, do you kill bugs when you find them inside or take no. them outside? No. No. Every outside. life is sacred. Absolutely yeah. not. If at all possible, take them outside. Yeah. Except for the flies that Eric swats like they're the devil. Flies are not bugs. They're less than bugs. <laughs> I guess mosquitoes. I, I Well, there's I, no way to take a fly outside. Or a mosquito. Yeah. Can you real. imagine? Like, I'm just no, going to catch I'm this not mosquito. taking oh, mosquitoes outside. <laughs> I, if I could, I would. I don't like killing anything. I love killing mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> cannonball into the pool or dip a toe in first? Oh, cannonball, of course. Yeah, toe is pretty counterproductive. I'm a toe dipper, mostly because I don't want to get in. Um, that's a great one. Name an automatopoeia. Quack. Oh, so that's a word that sounds like it. Yes. Yeah, oh, see, that was for my the automatopoeia was so good that it defined it for Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. There you go. Automatopoeia, a word that sounds like the noise it describes. Yeah. Boing, gargle, clap, zap, and pitter-patter. Oh, my gosh. That was satisfying. A plus. Gargle. 
It's, they're right. cool words. I love onomatopoeias. Okay, next, next and last thing, very relevant to the saga. Okay. What was your last impulse buy? Excuse me, <laughs> Eric. 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 As your as your attorney at law, uh, I, I advise you not to answer this question. Does it fly in the air and rhyme with prone? <laughs> the, the bench in our bedroom, my dear. <laughs> Oh boy! What was uh, yours, Nick? My last impulse purchase. Uh, I guess this frame. For this your frame Grammy? back here. Yeah. <laughs> if Trixie was here, she'd be laughing at that. She would be. Uh, it's like the only thing I bought. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what I bought? And it's not an impulse thing, but I replaced that straw um, that I was using for my uh, like hydration reservoir oh, in like front of my bike. Like a highly necessary thing for your yeah. Man next weekend. I, <laughs> I haven't been. Buy. I haven't been impulse buying <laughs> things much. I impulse buy food. I impulse buy fast food. Or I'm like okay, driving okay, home. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I deserve that. I'm going to yeah. have a cheesy gordita crunch right now. Yeah. Yeah. New answer. An old fashioned 20 minutes ago. There you go. <laughs> impulse buy. And to be in my defense for the drone that I didn't buy, I've been thinking about buying that drone and I've been on the wait list for all the, you know, release notes for th- six months. Eric and I have been talking about this drone for years. Well, that wraps up rapid fire. Um, that was fun. Yeah, that was good. I like that. That's fun. Uh, so we're going to move on to questions now. And if you are listening, you can send your triathlon related questions or not triathlon related questions to that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. If it's not triathlon related, it's got to be really good for us to read it on the pod though. Uh, <laughs> to be clear, that is Paula at, at dot com. Right. <laughs> yes. Paul is the one who reads those. Um, so the first question is kind of a, a simple one, and it's from Ashley. Uh, I love that Eric watches romantic comedies the night before a race, which is a fact. Eric's hanging his head in shame. Can TTL Nash, spelled P-N-A-E-S-H, which is a great new spelling, uh, get a list of his top five? I look forward to listening to the pod every week. Thanks for opening up your lives and sharing all of your knowledge and experiences with us. Ashley from Texas. P.S. Hoping to make it to the PTO US Open to cheer you on and rep TTL. Awesome. Wow. Man, Ashley, that's your one takeaway from the podcast is that I listen to watch romantic comedies. Eric, everyone gets different things from this <laughs> podcast and we can't judge them for that. All right. All right. Um, crazy cra- Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. I knew it. <laughs> Something's Gotta Give. Uh, Along Came Polly. Um, I like, what's the one with uh, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds? You're just her, a Ryan Reynolds he, fan. She's her boss. She's his boss. What about Fifty First Dates? I was just reminded of that movie recently. I, I haven't watched that one. Oh, that's a yeah, good one. Have. Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler. No, nope, I haven't one. watched it. I mean, I know of it, and I've I've passed it on Netflix many times, but no. Um, man, Crazy Stupid Love is just so good. Yeah, it is. I saw it for the first time this year. It's so great. Um, that's okay. If you can think of another one throughout the pod, great. If not, that's okay too. Four is I'm more than I expected you to be able to rattle off that quickly. You really are a, a, a super fan of the romantic comedies. Well, I race a lot, so. <laughs> that's right. Um, Paula, do you have your favorite real quick? This question wasn't directed towards me. Well, I'm asking you the question now. I said Along Came Polly is a good one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. But I don't um, love watching movies twice, so I would love mm, to like watch a new one because otherwise I, I just get kind of bored and I start looking at my phone and then I start thinking yeah. about the race. And yeah, it's yeah, productive. right. right. <laughs> Which is getting Sarah are. Marshall. Oh, so good. And also, I love Stranger Than Fiction. Have you ever seen that? It's with Will Ferrell. Such yeah. a great movie. <laughs> it's a little stranger, but yeah. Yes, it is strange. Um, okay, next question is from Mitch. 
I want to plug an A race for 2023 and would absolutely love your feedback. We live in the prairies in Manitoba and would love to stay in North America and make a family trip. If you were to choose a first 70.3 is a great experience, which race comes to mind? They are a beginner, two sprints this year. Uh, Ironman site is convenient to browse, and I don't know many races outside of their bubble, but I think they're out, they're open to th- races outside of Ironman. And are races like the PTO Canadian Open in Edmonton back in 2023? Would races like Escape from Alcatraz put a beginner on their ass, etc.? Thanks again. Keep kicking ass, Mitch. Yeah, the one the PTO Open will be in Edmonton and in Dallas, and I think they're fun races, like newer, less people, but a cool distance, 100K is a really interesting distance, and a little bit lower price point for the entry fee. Yeah, um, a lot. But if lower. you're looking for ultimately like a cool destination race, that's a different thing, like a family vacation type of thing. I might not necessarily choose Edmonton for that or Dallas, but. Um, Escape from Alcatraz is very cool. The downside is that it's a lottery system, so you're not guaranteed to get in. Um, I would say, as far as Canada stuff goes, Victoria 70.3. Yeah, Victoria is oh, yeah. really cool. Tremblant's really cool. Um, I, my, my first reaction was to say Santa Cruz, except for I just booked Eric like the world's crappiest hotel for $500 a night. Like, it's not affordable. So, that's I, not a great place for a family vacation. Is any Ironman, of, I mean, I don't know. Seems like hotels Santa, have just gone Santa up. Santa Rosa but. would be so expensive. Oceanside would be so expensive. Yeah, everything's expensive. Oceanside was better, though, because I did look really? at a lot of Airbnbs okay. there. That's another fun one, actually. Oceanside's yeah. cool. Yeah. But, it's, yeah, it's so hard. It's like you have to balance the weather versus, like, the family friendliness versus the affordability factor versus, like, all the time of year. You know, there's so many things. You kind of have to narrow it down. Well, I never did it, and I've never been there, but I remember when I researched it, I got very excited about it for Victoria. I thought oh, that yeah. was such a cool race, and then you keep it in Canada, too. Yeah. Which is yeah. Cool. yeah. It's very pretty. Yeah, do that. Plus side of Oceanside, Disneyland's nearby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you're going with family, that way you can throw away even more money. Yeah. I do love Disneyland, though. Well, hopefully that helps, Mitch. Um, Next question from Reed. Hey, y'all. I had a question for Eric about mountain bikes. I'm currently a triathlete looking to get into off-road and long-distance mountain biking. Like he's saying, like Leadville, uh, stuff like that. But I wasn't sure the best mountain bike to get for cross-country slash trail endurance rides. I I live in Colorado right by the foothills, so plenty of trails to train on. My other question is if you all had an update on when Wahoo would be releasing different color options on their watch. Uh, I can't find any info online, but saw they sent some prototypes to you. I don't think Wahoo is making them to sell yet. Yeah, I think it was like kind of a limited... Like pro release, got it. Sort of, they didn't at least didn't tell us these are coming out soon. Yeah. Um, so if they are, we we don't know. But I love yeah. the white. But this yeah. is uh, the reason I like this question is because after riding with you and Curtis, I realized that ninety nine percent of people should be getting short traveled full suspension bikes. People do not need these like trail bikes and these endurance bikes unless they're doing big jumps yeah right yeah, like you I mean, the riding you and curtis do was like you were guys were doing jumps and you were hitting trails hard and going down and going up and down them fast on these like cross-country yeah. bikes yeah i mean a bigger bike is going to be more forgiving and if you live somewhere that has a lot of roots and stuff like you might want more travel than we have, but you can definitely get away with with less travel. and And the upside of it is just that that a cross country race bike is going to be lighter for pedaling up hills, and that is at least for me like 
not having to drag a super heavy bike uphill has a high impact on my happiness. Yeah, agree. So, yeah. Um, and if you're trying to race like Leadville, it seems like yeah. you, you want wouldn't want to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Almost a freaking cyclocross bike, you yeah. know? Uh, so, so the bike that I ride that I love is the Specialized Epic. Um, I have the S-Works, but they have non-S-Works versions of it. It all works the same. It's 100 millimeters of travel. And then if you want something that's a little more, f- quote-unquote, fun and can handle more Rudy situations, uh, just staying inside of the Specialized family, they have the Epic Evo, which is a 120-millimeter travel bike. And that's, like, at the top of my list of something that I want to get next year just to be able to, like, do certain downhill trails. It's slacker head tube angle, too, right? Um, I mean, I don't think it's much slacker. Like, going into 2020, I believe they made the epic, the standard epic, a lot slacker head too. Oh, okay, got it. So, like the epic that you rode, which is like a 2016 epic, my old epic versus one that I have, one I have massively slacker head tube and that, i.e., better downhill. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know a lot of the other bike lines that well, but that's kind of what you're looking for. A hundred millimeter travel bike is typically going to be lighter and better climbing uphill, and 120, I think, is like the sweet spot of. Great downhill, great uphill. Yeah, every every bike manufacturer will make will make a hundred millimeter tool suspension bike, right? Uh, I mean, it's certainly not the hot item right now. Down country, like hundred and thirty travel, is probably like the hot item. But like I said, I mean, if if you value lightness uphill, one twenty, I think is a great area. Cool. Which is, I think, like the Santa Cruz Blur or something. Oh yeah, like want another bike that fits into that category. Just look for that. Just look for the 120, 130, I think. I wouldn't go over that if you want to pedal uphill yeah. ever. Right. right. Um, well, thank you for that question, Reed. Uh, next question is from Pete in Yorkshire. Or Yorkshire, do we know? I think it's Yorkshire. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Yorkshire. Yorkshire. <laughs> Pete from Yorkshire um, says, Nick, as one of your 1,000 strong Strava followers, I've followed your Ironman training, your workouts, as well as the photos have been inspirational to follow, and you're the most exciting person on my feed by far. I don't follow Flynn yet, though, he says. Uh, best of luck in Wisconsin next weekend. You'll crush it. My question for you as you taper is, what have you been is what have been your most enjoyable workouts in the training block for Ironman? Either the fun kind of enjoyable or the enjoyable because you feel like you've got the most value. Mm. Same question to Eric and Paula for 70.3 training. Love the pod and the YouTube. Thanks for all you're giving out and create such valuable content. Is that taper specific or just in general workouts? I think he's just the tapers reminding him now that it's over. It's like oh, looking back okay. what it, is the it. most fun. I think for me it was like, ironically, I'm definitely better at shorter stuff, but it was the long rides and the, it's the long swims, the long rides and the long runs. Like the long runs, I did these two hour and 45 minute trail runs with friends up here in the mountains and it was those were great. The... The rides are like on my TT bike riding. I did a 120 mile ride a few weeks ago and just doing that and getting off the bike and running a bit and just being like, wow, I definitely could not do this a few years ago. Like yeah. I would be in the hospital. Right. And Seeing even the, the swims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being like, wow, I, I can do this. Can swim for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so cool. I think that's, that's it for me. Uh, what about for you guys? Um, I definitely tend towards liking the run workouts the best, like fartlek runs, six minutes on, two minutes off, three minutes on, one minute off, whatever that is, because they're a little bit less structured distance-wise, so there's some flexibility to go faster or slower depending on how you feel, and you could definitely, with our coach's schedule, see improvements weekly because our schedule remains fairly similar week to week. 
those are my favorite. I can't say I love any swim workouts a lot or bike workouts a lot. Bike workouts are just so hard. Like I was suffering so hard today. Oh my gosh. They're just so hard. I was telling Eric, I had like four by three minutes today. And even that was like, That's what Eric wow. did. Oh, really? Twins? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, oh, this feels hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Mine didn't feel hard. It felt good. That must be nice. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My favorite stuff's like tempo runs. Um, I get a lot of confidence from when I do a good TT bike workout, but just because it doesn't happen that often <laughs> with my with my hip condition. Um, but my favorite bike workout is probably like mountain bike. When I go out on the mountain bike and do, you know, five by five or something like that. That's like super fun. And I usually hit really yeah. good power just cause I'm like engaged in it. I kind of like that for on the road too, uphills. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like to, for whatever reason, I feel like five times five minutes is such a classic workout. Yeah. Such a classic. And it really is like, it's a hard one, but it can be really confidence inspiring. Yes. Especially cause in my brain, I usually go into it. Like I'm going to hold these Watts and then I'll usually hold 30 more. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Paula Finley special right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one is relating to that. No, 30 Watts more. No. Uh, and the, and the Watts that she's prescribed are high already. So that's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's it. But that's, that's a good question. Cause now looking back, I'm looking at these workouts and there's a lot of like those whatever hour and a half interval workouts that I, I just forget, but the the long epic adventure new route stuff is what sticks out in my mind is the stuff that yeah. felt the most fun. It is really cool to go back and it, especially if you're getting nervous for your race, look back at what you've done. You've done so much yeah, work to yeah, get there yeah. and you do forget about it unless you yeah. just like reflect for a minute or look back at your own Strava like as a diary and say, okay, I've done the work to do this. I'm way fitter than I feel right now because I'm nervous and I'm tired, whatever. So it's a cool. Uh, that's a great. That's a great. Tactic. Great way to look at it, Paul. Um, next question is from Nick without a K. Uh, TTLN. Quick question: Body shaving. Does it matter, and why? Thanks. You're all awesome. I love that yes, question. Obviously, it does. I love that question for one because he's it, he abbreviated it, TTLN. That's so cool. Stand by for yeah, the TTLN great. T-shirt. Right, that's right. That's like the team, the Genius. team T-shirt. Nick, with um, a, without a K, you get one for free. Great for the idea. That's right. Um, um, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, for in every capacity, it is beneficial. It's it's faster in the water, unless it's a wetsuit swim. Is it faster on the run though? I can't imagine it is. I mean, I guess it's marginally faster, but yeah, small amount. You look great. You feel great. That's true. As a result of looking great. But on the bike, it is definitely aerodynamically faster. Oh, it's like considerably faster. The Specialized did this test that a lot of people are familiar with at this point. But yeah. they said for shaved legs, if you're hairy legs, it can save like one to two minutes over 40K. So extrapolate that's that crazy. into an Ironman. And that's like, think about trying to get five minutes of fitness, right? Versus you just shave your legs. Boom. Are you going to shave your, your legs for your Ironman, Nick? Oh, of course. I shave my legs every race. I mean, put a freaking shag carpet on the hood of a Formula One car. It's going slower. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be slow. <laughs> wow. Eric just comes up with the, the most funny things sometimes. He's great. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely makes a big difference, but legs more than anything, you can shave your arms and there's some time there. Apparently shaving your face, almost negligible difference. Obviously your hair shouldn't make a difference because you are, you have a helmet on. I hope. I think having a mustache is actually faster. Like if your bike is red, it's faster. Scientifically. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it makes a big difference, though. Definitely shaving. I think Nick without a K actually does have a K in his name, but he spelled it as N-I-C, so maybe he goes by Nick without a K. Oh, like when his friends call him, he's like, hey, where's Nick without a K? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He just wanted to distinguish himself from you. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Well, Nick without a K, thank you for that, and look out for the TTLN uh, cruise coming soon. Uh, Next question is from Michael. Uh, I've been listening to the pod for a while now. It's my favorite one out there, and actually met Eric at St. Anthony's, but didn't know who he was at the time. I feel really silly now. Uh, one, could you give a shout out to my friend Justin from Chattanooga? Yes, Justin, what's up, dude? Uh, number two, how do you get your pro card? Not sure if elite license is the same for triathlon, but I've tried to find things on the internet with information but haven't been successful. Good luck in your upcoming races. Michael, do you guys know the actual thing yeah. here? I, how snobby okay. is that that we don't even know? I, I know how it was... <laughs> I know how it was when I got mine, and that was you had to go to a race that had a professional triathlon associated with it. So if you went to like the Lifetime LA Triathlon or whatever, that race for the pros had to have $20,000 minimum prize money. And then as an amateur, you would have to basically win that race. And that would qualify mm. for you. And then the other ways were if you got like top three at collegiate nationals or if you got top three overall at age group nationals, that would qualify for you for your, for your pro card. Isn't there also like a percentage of time within the pro field? Yes. In addition to getting that top three, you had to be within 7% of the uh, winning uh, pro So it's time. actually pretty hard. It's it's not easy. It depends but, where you are. Yeah. It, at certain races, it's extremely hard. At other right. races, I mean, that's yeah. why you see some of these pros who are getting beat by age groupers consistently. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it is challenging, but still, the jump from like accomplishing that to being a successful professional triathlete is is a huge jump. So, I think it is. It's fair for sure. But in I how also hard it is. I also think that people recognize that they're yeah. not getting their pro card and expecting to go win a pro race. It's a, right. there's so many benefits to racing professionally. You can sign up for the yearly fee and enter any race you want with Ironman, with Ironman, you yeah. start in the pro wave. Like there's a lot of, um, logistical things that are easier racing professionally. So I'm not really opposed to people who earn no, it. No, no, no. I'm not either. Some people want to be a big fish in a little pond, and some people want to be a little fish in yeah. a big pond. Yeah, the flip right? side of it is that you're now racing against professional athletes, so there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to be out there completely by yourself yeah. for four hours. Yeah, or yeah. even like the excitement of winning your age group is cool. Like I think if I was an actual age group athlete who had a job and had a family, it would be more fun for me to win my age group than to come... 15th in the pro race, but everyone's different. And, yeah. and I think someone else would say the exact opposite. They'd be yeah. like, I'm yeah. sick of winning my age group. I want, I'd want. i rather be 15th in the pro field. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And like see how I measure up against them. Totally. Yeah. Interesting question. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I looked it up, and Eric, it's pretty much what you said. Uh, you, you could place top 10 overall at Amateur World Championships, or ITU or Kona, place top 5 overall at USAT Age Group Nationals, place top three overall at amateur at a qualifying race. And a qualifying race is defined as any race that has corresponding elite race with a prize purse of 20000 plus. Wow, Eric really knows it. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, in order to keep your pro license, you have to re-qualify every three years of a pro licensure. To do so, you must finish within 8% of the winner's time at a race offering a prize purse of 5000 plus. Yes, that should take absolutely no effort at all. So it's not a risk unless right. you just are injured for three years straight. Right, right. 
Right. Yeah. Um, so, interesting. Um, next question is from Tyler. What's up, TTL Nation? N-A-E-S-Z. It says, people from Poland will get that spelling, LOL. Sorry, Eric. My question is about training break to, I, By the way, I love this narrative of everyone saying TTL Nation, Eric hating it. It's so wonderful for me. I'm it's over beautiful. It, everybody, it's, but continue no, 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 he's not. No, no, he, no, he's not. No, he's not. Keep it coming. He's pretending so that we'll stop. That does um, keep me as, awake at night. My, my question is about training breakdown for your weakest event. For reference, I did my first 70.3 and finished under my goal of seven hours. Congratulations. I love the sport and I'm using it for weight loss after playing college football. I'm 260 pounds currently and fairly muscular. My swim was 39 minutes. My bike was 246, but my run was almost three hours. Being heavy, running is difficult. So would you recommend I spend more time running and expect my time to come down or focus on the lower impact legs uh, of the race with a more balanced training plan and hopefully it becomes easier to run as I lose more weight? I'm not going for any age group podiums, but it's frustrating knowing that my times are so slow due to my run. Thanks and love the podcast, Tyler. Wow, that is such a good question. Yeah. Tyler actually also emailed me again today with with another question, but he's like, I know you guys don't like follow-ups, but maybe I'll add it to next week's. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I I think, I mean, if we ask a question to you, then we do want follow-up. Sure, you know, if we sure. want clarification But I think he was just it. like, oh, I have another question. Right, right. Um, what would your answer to this be? I could like I see mean, both sides of it. They're huh. both so... Yeah, I, like I guess I guess my my basic idea is that there's just uh, there's there's a set rate at how quickly you can like progress your run volume and intensity and all that and like you kind of need to let that be your guide and and fit in the other training right it doesn't matter like oh I want to be faster at running so I'm just going to go straight to running 60 miles a week or whatever that doesn't work so like progress the running as safely and quickly as you can because ultimately over time that's going to be the better gains than going to 60 miles and getting injured for two months or, or yeah there, the injury risk of running is a huge factor in, in this and it's not like you're 260 pounds with a ton of weight to lose easily. Like you're probably really muscular, right? Right. So I do think that naturally endurance training, swimming, biking, and the amount of running you're doing um, in a balanced way will naturally lean you out a little bit more if you're not eating like a football player and lifting weights like a football player would. I don't know. It's a different yeah. kind of energy system. So I think that there's definitely like huge gains to make in your runtime. And I think that you will see that as you get lighter. Like I don't, it's a touchy subject because talking about body weight and run speed is dangerous because it can lead you down like really dangerous routes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is just a fact that the lighter you are, the faster you go in running. So the thing is, if you're trying to be a fast triathlete though, there's definitely yeah. an inflection point where you get so light that your bike times are going to go down. And let's not forget that the bike is the majority of the race. Yeah. Or just yeah. like your strength overall, you know, and how you feel totally. and your energy and things like that. Yes. So I think there's definitely a, like maybe as a football player, you have a really big upper body, which you don't need as much as a triathlete. And that'll naturally change as you just do more exercise, yeah. you know? It'll take a while though. It's going to be a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what we've always said on this podcast is like, eat healthy, fuel your workouts well, and do your workouts well. And your body will naturally adapt to that kind yeah. of stress you're putting on it. I don't think it'll take two years to change it though. Like you'll, you'll see improvements in your running, I think pretty quickly as you just train more across all three things. Oh no. Yeah. I meant more just like body composition wise. Like yeah, you're not does, just going to like lose instant. your traps in like a couple no. months. Of, <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
but I would say like his times are really good in the swim and bike and the run, I feel like he could run a two hour half marathon instead of a three hour half marathon. Yeah, I agree. That three hours is, is, is such an outlier with those other two times. Yeah. So the fitness and the athletic ability is definitely there. It's just getting run miles in your legs in a responsible, slow way, not just like ramping up the volume. I mean, 260 pounds. Imagine like, that's like me with a hundred pound backpack on though. I understand why that run is so challenging compared to the swim and the bike. Yeah. You have to be so, so strong to run well at, at, at that weight. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that weight. It's just like if you're trying to be a fast runner, it's a challenge. Yeah, for sure. Good on you, man. But also, yeah. you also have like a lot of muscles in your legs if you're that strong. It's not like you with a backpack. It's like Nick no, no, with no. More of muscles. course not. Of, 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 <laughs> of course not. Of course not. But I don't know. Like, I wonder if I would, if I were in his position, if I would just like bike a ton. Like, relative to the other the other three but you guys are saying to try to keep it balanced still and let it run its course i mean the biking is definitely the thing that is the lowest risk but we're we're just saying that like you can't just oh i want to i want to like lean out a little bit so i'm just gonna like spend all my time running instead of biking you know it's right like i think you're just gonna it's gonna naturally be balanced because there's only so much running that you what one can do responsibly yeah i guess maybe something we can agree on is that the mistake would be to just like go all in really hard on running and ramp up your run volume all at once right that's that's which i think is what he was he was fishing for that was the answer he was looking for right yeah don't do that yeah good job though that's that's really impressive yeah. Email us when you get your run down to two hours. I don't think it'll take that long. Yeah. I'm I'm impressed. Um, and then our final question, and this one is kind of a, a philosophical quandary here. Uh, it's from Sean. And Sean, Sean says, Hi, I would love to hear collective opinions on this pool etiquette question, both from the pro and amateur perspective. Uh, there is there are a lot of pros who swim at my pool. Uh, she's in Boulder. I'm, I'm trying to summarize here because there's a lot. Uh, as well as a lot of people who are front of the pack age groupers and qualifying for worlds, etc. Yeah. Uh, if I am swimming in a lane with one other person and we have split the lane and someone else inevitably comes up and asks, do you mind if we circle swim? Is the correct answer A, yes, I'd prefer to keep it the way it is as I am slower than most and would really like to get my workout in. B, sure, no problem, and proceed to try as hard as I can to keep up with whoever it is, blow my workout and still get past a million times. Or C, lie and say, sure, no worries, I was done anyway, and then just leave. I have done all three, (laughs) but my preference is A, am I the asshole? Uh, just yesterday, I was at the pool, and there were a ton of pros there, and uh, there appeared to be an empty lane, so I jumped in. About 100 meters in, Vittoria Lopez's boyfriend asked if I would circle with them. Vittoria Lopez is a uh, female pro. Uh, I looked at him petrified and just said something like, I'm sorry, I can't swim with you. In all fairness, I think they had their stuff there in the lane and were chatting with others on the deck, so I may have inadvertently stolen their lane. They were very nice about it, and thankfully, another lane opened up for them. Anyway, can you settle this for me so I know how to handle the situation in the future? Setting pros aside, is there some unwritten rule that if people are waiting, you have to circle? Or is it okay to yes. stick to two a lane? Yeah, unfortunately, the rule is that you you have to circle swim. You can't put your foot down and say, no, we're splitting this lane, go somewhere else. I mean, I wish you could. I totally understand the annoyance of circle swimming with people that are completely different speeds. But I think at least our lifeguards at our pool are really strict about keeping it in a circle. So if you're splitting a lane and another person comes, it's like it switches to circle no matter what. Yeah. 
I think when when someone asks you, "Is it okay if we circle swim?" That's kind of a rhetorical question. Yeah, that's, I agree. You're, you're, you're not polite. allowed to say you're not you're not you can't say no. Yeah, no, right. they're they're like. It's circle is happening. I don't want to run in it's, head on to you. So right, it's, it's, right. it's code for hey, I'm jumping in. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that's confusing to me here is Boulder is this like triathlon mecca town. And I'm so surprised that this pool that she's swimming at that apparently has very fast people at it doesn't have speed designations in yes, lengths, like I slow, agree. medium, fast. Yeah. Whereas like she could just go into the, if she says she's slow, into the slow lane. And then yeah. if you're circle swimming, you're circle swimming with people of similar fitness. Yeah. The, at our pool in Bend, the lifeguards are also very strict about keeping those signs pretty accurate. So if we jump in the slow lane because it's empty, they encourage us to move over, even if we're in the middle of a workout, as the fast lanes open up, just so that if someone comes in and they're aqua jogging or they're they are actually a bit slower they can get in the slow lane and be comfortable there like ultimately it's about making the pool an accessible place for everybody to come and train and just keeping some you know yeah some rules yeah set. so unfortunately if you're in Ben and you're in the fast lane and you're not fast you're getting run over sorry Eric <laughs> Eric. Well, it's really tough. I, I sympathize with this person because it yeah, sucks. No, there's like no good on I was making a joke, but there's like no, there's no great thing because yeah, we do have the slow, medium and fast, but then like the people who are fast, like somebody faster shows up or like, yeah, the medium lane has nobody in it. So we jump in the medium lane and it's just, it, it's hard to keep it all rolling and you never quite know what to do, but ultimately if somebody shows up and wants to circle swim with you, you you kind of have to roll with it. But on the flip side, as a pro, if we show up with like Heather, Lindsay, and Andy, and there's one empty lane, and then like two slow people splitting a lane, we're not asking them to circle. We're all just going to go in a lane until something else opens up. Yeah, like we'll, we'll yes. usually what we'll right. do is we'll ask one person as they come to the wall, like, "Hey, do you mind sc- scooting over one lane so all four of us can, can you go over there and split with that person That's so all four of correct. us can circle swim." together because ultimately i think it's more annoying to be the passer than it is to be passed so if you're the faster swimmer getting in i'm never asking a slower person to circle like that's that's just hard to do a workout that way so we would way rather split like five of us all together than ask a slower person and i do find that people that are swimming a bit slower tend to have like a 20 or 30 minute swim and then they're getting out so you kind of have to keep your eye open for other lanes that are open and I don't know. It is. It is hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. You never feel like you're doing it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> as hard as it is, though, I do think the, the question was, am I the asshole? And I think the answer is yes. Yes. You, if someone asks you to circle swim, <laughs> you cannot say no. No. Nope. I'm sorry, Sean. But the good news is that now you know this, right? This is the yep. etiquette thing. And I think ethically, it also makes the most sense. The thing you can do is try to swim with people in a lane that are of similar fitness to you. And so when someone comes over and they ask you to circle swim, the hope is that they picked your lane because they're a similar fitness level to you. Yeah, a pro coming and asking you. I can tell by your question that that hasn't happened to you a lot and yeah. that you kind of get into these bad situations. But that's the goal is you're trying to get into people circle swim who swim roughly the same speed. Yeah, I yeah. personally kind of like it sometimes because it does make me swim a little bit harder. Uh, you know, just like, 
it has a little bit of a race dynamic to it. It makes it a little yeah. more fun. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, you can spin the, it that way. Yeah, ultimately the key here is flexibility. And if we ju- get in the pool and like we're supposed to be doing hundreds on the 130 and we see Jimmy's coming back around, like we'll go five seconds early and try to not, you know, right. make him pass us and then repass him. And, you know, yeah. just like you just, you got to be flexible. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that is not going to affect your Ironman in four months. Talking about the faster person. Just talking right. about like like working, like getting out of the way once every 200 yards or like going a little bit early one time. Yeah. That's not going to be the deal breaker. You know? Yeah. It's about like being flexible, everyone yeah. being flexible and making it enjoyable and not, you know, if you are a pro getting in, don't do it in an angry way and start doing butterfly and like be super <laughs> annoying. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. I have a follow up question here for both of you. <laughs> Let's say you are circle swimming with someone and they are they they you're right behind them and you come up to the wall and they don't let you go in front of them. Do you continue to swim behind them slower than you should? Do you try to pass them within the length of the lane or do you wait uh in, until they're further enough away that you can still go the speed that your plan has you going at? 100% pass them. Yeah, you just pass them. Yeah, is that okay though cuz I've done that a few times and I'm like is that <laughs> With ease. <laughs> no, Nick, that's, um, it's hard because if you're swimming faster than someone and you're in their draft, you're literally like not swimming. You're just like sculling behind Yeah, them. it feels like you're barely working. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of have to go around them. And I don't think it's necessarily the slower person's responsibility to stop at the wall for you necessarily they usually do but if they don't so uh, like the way that it works at, on like a swim team if somebody touches your feet and you're approaching the wall it is like your thing to like do your flip turn more to the right side of the lane the person behind you is going to do their flip turn more to the left side of the lane you might still push off at the same time but now that person kind of has the right of way to yeah. the right of the lane going back the other direction yeah and you slot in to draft behind them yeah that is how it should work yeah like tap their feet so yeah. like ideally that's what will happen is i'm passing somebody I thought you, if you tap your feet they just wait for you that's what i'm saying that is the gold standard <laughs> nobody's but, getting right. disrupted no one's stopping everyone's continuing the flow but you're just aware of that you just presence. like do a very relaxed flip turn as that person passes you doing ideally a slight more aggressive flip <laughs> turn and it, all, it is all right it's all good <laughs> right right <laughs> right <laughs> Gosh. Right, right. But that's like kind of the international sign for like, hey, I, I would like to pass you. Somebody like touches your feet and then, you know, right. like yeah, I that, do. they're probably going to try to come by on your left soon. The reason I thought this question was so good is because I feel like the level of like angriness at swimming at the swimming pool is so absurd when you're trying to like share or get someone to stop for a second. It's like people go there and they just want to be like in their own Zen bubble and have their own lane. And that's not realistic all the time. So it just can really make people grumpy. And we've had some super like not negative interactions, but just like people rolling their eyes and people getting pissed at us. And it's, it's negative for everyone involved when that happens. So I think like the thing to keep in mind, like Eric said, is it's like, it's not do or die. You're at the swimming pool, trying to be flexible Everyone, not just the slower people, but the faster people too. And just make it a fun environment. Nobody really likes swimming. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We all hate this, obviously. So let's hate it. Let's hate it in peace. Like none of us want to be here. You're here to exercise. We're here because we got a raise. Like, let's just make it work. Right. (laughs) 
I, I wanted to tell the story of my best ever experience asking someone if I could split a lane with them. So I was at the pool in Santa Monica, and I asked this lady who was swimming fast, but I was like, do you mind if I split with you? And she was like, she lit up. She was so smiley. She was so nice. She's like, of course, I would love it if you split with me. And then I see she has a Red Bull cap on, and it was Natasha Bodman, who oh, has no won way. Kona a million times. I and the only reason I found out was because she said she was Swiss. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Daniela Reef winning Kona a bunch of times. She's like, yeah, she's about to pass my record. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Wow. And she was nice about it. That is so cool. She was cool. super nice. She That's was super nice. Yeah, she was super well, nice. Her, her whole thing was like every Kona victory she's ever had, she was smiling the whole way. That's like her yeah. thing. Oh, really? Okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Go that's watch cool. any any video of Natasha Bodman winning. She's smiling literally for 180 so the entire freaking thing. She left a mark on me, and now I'm always extremely friendly to people when they ask me if, if we want to split our circle. I even did it to the lady today who was... Uh, she was because I was in like the the shallow pool, so it's like if you stand up, it's waist high. She had her shoes on in the pool, doing like aqua walking. Uh, but we were having a great time together. So a quacking, a quacking, a quacking. That's a good onomatopoeia right there. What are you doing? I'm a quacking. That's what it sounds like. That's right. Oh, funny. Okay, well, thanks for that question. Yeah, did you have anything you wanted to add one? to that, Paula? That's the last one? No, I think we've really exhausted that, that just, question. That would have just been like a tangent on the tangent on the tangent. Well, I love really tangent on tangent that. on tangent. That's my favorite kind of tangent. No, that really is not that it's not that important. Well, that that's all we got, guys. The, this is the, the last pod uh, before some important races for the boys here. Um, and soon enough, Paula will be really racing PTO Dallas. PTO, sorry, PTO US Open. Is that what we're calling it? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'll be racing in the heat, on the surface of the sun. Because I was calling it PTO Edmonton, and that wasn't right either. That is not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely not right. PTO Paula's oh, parents' I, house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, PTO Edmonton, PTO Dallas. I don't know. They all work. It just feels strange saying the US Open. Astros, Astros, Astros Yeah, not golf, not so tennis. That's why I was yeah. like, PTO Dallas or PT. It's like the Canadian Open, right. really? It's kind of cool. That's it's cool, cool, but it's also a thing already. If you're racing Santa Cruz this weekend, Eric will be there, hopefully in great spirits and doing well. Uh, if you're in Madison this weekend, I'll be there. If, if, if you see me, feel free to come up and say hi. I would love that. I'll be there with my parents. You can If you see two old uh, people wearing TTL gear, uh, swag you can be sure that they're probably my parents so you can go up and talk to them too they're very friendly my mom's has a heavy italian accent if that gives it away you have the best mom she is wonderful that's it guys uh we will see you all next week uh well i guess we'll hear you all next week or you'll hear us oh whatever um but yeah we'll talk at you next week that's right we'll talk at you next week um thanks for thanks for listening guys uh talk to you soon thanks guys bye bye